Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today I'm chatting with musician Brian Bob Young. How are you today, Brian? Great, David Andrew Weeb. It is a uh, thank you so much for having me on, man. It is actually a really cool experience to um, have a working relationship with you, and you know, hear my music be a part of a show that I genuinely enjoy, and then be able to talk about it with you too is pretty cool. So thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for joining me. And I guess my listeners have now been hearing your music for probably a few months at this point, right? Yeah. I've been using it for many episodes. And of course, your name is mentioned at the end of every episode. So we should maybe get a sense of who you are and then recount Mm -hmm. how it is that you came to do some of this music. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, just like most of the people that have been on this show, I've loved music and engaged with it my whole life, right? Um, So that's kind of a given for most of us in this field, right? Um, But I guess, you know, I I don't want to be too tangential on like a life story of how I ended up on the production side of things. So I'll just be specific with how I was able to uh, work with you was that I made goals uh, about a year and a half ago of what kind of work would I want on the production side and what projects could I do that would help me to get there that would also be meaningful projects. Um, And that happened by actually a kind of like lightning bolt moment where I was, you know, working a bunch of jobs and I came across a buddy of mine that I didn't even know he was a film producer and he knew that I was starting to reel on the production side and, and more of the creativity side of the music stuff, which we'll put a pin in that, that I worked on the business side for a long time before doing this. Um, and he had a, a film script and was like, Hey, do you think you could try your hand on, on scoring this independent film? And in the heat of the moment, I was so excited because I, I love this guy and he's worked on uh, some of my favorite movies, actually. Uh, he was he worked on the, the movie. Uh, he was a part of uh, Whiplash and that kind of fell through a little bit for him. But so I just know that he had worked on uh, projects that I would be really excited about. But at the time, I was not equipped at all <laughs> <laughs> to execute doing a film score. I had no idea what would go into that, neither the resources nor the skill to execute, right? So I learned that pretty quickly and talked to him about it and he said, dude, that's, you know, that's fine. But it really got the wheels in motion of like, okay, if another like script or something ends up in my lap, I want to be prepared because you've heard the the quote, um, luck is where preparation and opportunity meet, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what got the wheels in motion. And I, you know, something that one of the first ideas I had was like, why not try to help out podcasts that I like um, and see if they want their music updated or a little bit more 
uh, catered to the show and all that. And your show, of course, is one of the shows that I enjoy and, and reached out to to see if, you know, you wanted you wanted some updated music that, that kind of uh, had its own little different sound, right? So that is a, a little bit of the story of how I specifically ended up on doing the production for your show. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I like what you said about specificity, which is something that Matt Starr was very adamant on when he came on this show and talked about that too so being really intentional and clear about your goals and that's so hard for me man like i've had Uh, that like it is drudgery for me to be specific and not be idealistic in my head in the clouds (laughs) it is hard for me but i when i do it obviously it's fruitful there's there's something there so hey i'm in the same boat for sure and the thing that i kept talking about this year and continue to talk about this year is publishing 10 to 12 books and I think I'm set up fairly well to to do that. And even if I don't reach that goal, if I end up with five or eight books, yeah. you know, I think I can still say, okay, so right. if I want to do 10 the following year, I can at least make that adjustment. And uh, Two things that, not to go on tangents with it, but I know listening to your show that you're like a voracious reader. You read a book a week last year. Is that true? I did that in 2015 and 2016. Yeah, That's insane. Like, I love to read too, but like, I just got done this book called Educated by Tara Westover. Have you heard of that? I haven't. It's a, a memoir of her gnarly story of growing up in an uh, oppressive Mormon household off the grid and how she ended up studying at Cambridge and educating herself and becoming this wonderful speaker and author. Um, so I tore through that book in like a week. But I'm reading uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F right now, and I've been on that a month, which is like half the size. So, so you know, I, I, if I'm passionate about it, I can get through it. But if not, I'm going to take my time. So, But I know that so you, you were doing that because it's kind of like the CEO thing, right, of like CEOs read a book a week, and now they're like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly right. I was I was inspired by that for sure. But another thing that happened was, I think, I want to say it's triple A accountants. It actually might be double A accountants. I'm going to look that up real quick. But it's it was Shaz Nawaz. And okay. uh, Shazad Nawaz is the managing director. It's double A accountants. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed him once. It was for a different podcast. And I was doing pre, pre-interviews to kind of get the guests' answers and, and coax out cool tidbits from them before they actually went on the show and did the real interview. Gotcha. But uh, he sat there, you know, some people you create a relationship with and he sat there and talked with me for, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 minutes after the show. And he shared with, I was asking him because he just seemed like really competent with marketing. Oh, cool. And then he told me, Oh, well, the reason I know how to do this is because I, I read a book a week. (laughs) I am always reading. I never stop reading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he recommended me some Dan Kennedy material, which at the time yeah. I was not into, but I am actually really into it now, which is funny. Right. I assume you've read like the Seth Godin stuff and all that. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, if you haven't, it's like, get out of entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, the Bible of entrepreneurs. But anyways, um, yeah, that's it. That's enough on, on, on reading everything. I could go off on. I love reading, but that, that's really cool if you're able to do that. Yeah. And getting back to what you said too, like, yeah, I think for a long time I was not 
terribly specific and it still can be a bad habit of mine at times but what happened through much experience and reading and and learning and growing was there were some people that were just not worth working with and you learn you begin to learn that through experience you know kind of the warning signs of is this going to work out or is this really going to be just a total disaster that they're going to be constantly calling me which i don't i don't accept calls from clients to begin with <laughs> except on a completely scheduled basis right yeah you know, are they going to be a huge bother and and that's just going to suck up my time and not and i'm not going to make any money on that yeah <laughs> well i i hear you on the the specificity can be kind of like probably like an umbrella to our entire conversation because yeah you know, talked about we want to talk about networking and some of the music production creativity side all of it has been slowly learning how to be focused for me because i am naturally just not a focused individual mm -hmm. and whenever i would read or experience any sort of opportunity i realized that it's because people were able to focus and and achieve what they wanted to achieve and just sit down put their head down and work hard but also be really passionate about it um so Maybe that can kind of um, transition a little bit into the, the networking side because I feel like that's been my experience with networking is because uh, I've achieved at least some level <laughs> of being focused there and not just like walking around Nashville trying, trying to run into a big wig. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I noticed is when you talked to me, it wasn't like you were talking to a complete stranger like you didn't know anything about me you were actually asking very specific questions mm -hmm. and i find that's something that people don't do well and i'll probably go off on a rant about uh, non sequiturs in a moment but <laughs> that was one of the things you did very very well very cool and i think that the only reason that i have been able to get like some consistent work and on the production side and definitely um, you know, I've been really focusing hard on my original music too and playing shows and doing all that is because of doing some, just some fairly simple research. Like I listened to your show and I was like, man, this guy has a wealth of information. And, I, and then I realized like, Oh, he's talking on the new music industry and maybe I could make some really cool creative music for it to, you know, make the show even that much better. So that's where, right. It's a mutually beneficial working relationship so when i'm reaching out when i reached out to you it wasn't just like hey man let me do your music because that'd be cool and i'd get money um it's very specific and you have a very specific vision and it's um and if i don't mind saying so like it's a noble one you know giving so much information to people that are trying to work in a field that is so complex and so heavy and draining or discouraging at times, you just need to have the right information to navigate it. And you do that. So I'm very proud to be able to be a part of such a show, man, you know, not to be too aggrandizing or anything. <laughs> no, thank you. I think you're right. Like I am pretty transparent, so <laughs> you wouldn't have to spend hours researching me, who I am or what I do. To, right. to kind of come up with that at the same time you took the time to do it which i know many people don't so that's a that's a really good teaching point there cool cool yeah so it, it kind of hinted at the whole non-sequitur nature of of some of the networking that that happens these days and the reason that that i have trouble with it 
I think is because there's no established context. So in other words, people will come to me and suddenly go, hey, you're doing this wrong with your business. You know, <laughs> sort of like they were Ty Lopez or somebody like that. Okay. Who is the perfect example of the non sequitur. You know, you watch his videos on YouTube and, and it's just like... I just made $10 million last week. Or he doesn't even <laughs> talk about that. He talks, oh, I just read 52 books in a day. You know? Right. <laughs> like yes. That was kind of his thing for a while. Uh-huh. And, and I just thought like, okay, A, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. B, you established no contacts before jumping into this conversation, which I understand yes. why in the advertising world, you don't yeah. want to spend too much time like mm-hmm. introducing who you are and stuff like that. Right. But, uh, I've had investors and, and people like that come to me without the same thing right without any context without mm. establishing a rapport not even saying hello david right, right? <laughs> yeah and i think some people we know these kind of people that are the domineering dominant types that just they're steamrolling and they're in it to win it and i guess it works for them but i don't know if there's a lot of like joy and substance with it too i assume there's like a trail of tears behind it <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's just my assumption, but yeah. uh, it's also because I'm biased, and that that's not how I naturally uh, operate. And in fact, it's worked for me to create that context, right? And I do have, a, I think myself, a pretty good story to share with how I got my first job in a studio in Nashville, mm-hmm. due to creating context, I guess, if you will. Um, so I was I had like maybe in Nashville for six months. I'm originally from Philadelphia, and um, my first career path actually out of college was to become a music therapist, and that didn't work. Um, I burned out. So we just did a fresh start in Nashville. I, my wife got a job as a nurse, and I was job hunting. And um, about six months in, I was in a steam room at a YMCA, and there was one older gentleman there, and. I, you know, in a steam room, I'm usually like head down, but I wanted to talk to somebody. So I was like, Hey, I'm Brian. Like how, how's it going today, sir? We get to talk for like 20 minutes and long story short, he has been the CEO of a company called uh, red Ridge entertainment here in Nashville since like the early nineties. Um, and he gave me an internship at, at the studio just to kind of shadow and see if there's anything I could do to fit, which being a session musician was definitely out <laughs> as a sidebar. So humbling to be around these musicians. <laughs> mm-hmm. So humbling. Um, but I realized that there was very quickly a need for rebranding. Uh, the company's website had been around since like the early two thousands. So it was just like a total hodgepodge, a uh, total mess. And it just needed to be updated for the 21st century. And they they were getting a steady flow of clients, but you know my kind of pitch was like if we can rebrand this company, you might be able to like really expand the network. Um, so that turned into a two year job with with that company in rebranding and bringing in people to do that. And then I also functioned as pretty much an A and R guy. Um, and by A and R, I mean like not the classic sense of like Tom Petty's A and R. That's like <laughs> you know, very much a part of like choosing what single they put out, right? I'm talking about the like kind of half-assed A&R of more of like a talent scout. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but and not half-assed in that I was half-assed in the job. I was just finding people online to see if they wanted to do professional recordings of their music and do music videos. So, all that to say, though, 
that whole experience, which was an adrenaline shot of knowledge about the music industry, uh, came from talking to a dude in a steam room. You know, um, I wasn't sitting there trying to say like, Oh, maybe this guy is like, you know, a big wig around here and I can get him in. I just wanted to have a conversation and, um, although I ended up leaving that company, we still have a great relationship. Um, the head guy still calls me just to see how I'm doing. And that is so important, right? You've, I'm sure you've experienced that where uh, you don't burn bridges and you're able to continue to have healthy working relationships because it was built on the foundation in the context of a relationship of, and as opposed to just trying to work up some ladder and, and capitalize off people, right? So, yeah, that was my uh, networking, uh, I guess my best networking anecdote. <laughs> I have a few others of just like my philosophy of it, um, for sure. But, <laughs> but that's, a, that's probably a pretty, pretty good story for it, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. I think what came to mind for me was playing in this one band. It was a Def Leppard tribute band. And I've mentioned that before, and I'm still with them. There was just a period when I had kind of a sense of uh, graduation goggles. In other words, you know, I, uh, not like I'm too good for this, just like I'm kind of done with this. I think I'm ready yeah, to yeah. move on. And, and I did for a couple of years. And, but I never, you know, I didn't burn any relationships. It was just kind of like, hey, you know, this will be my last gig for a while. And, <laughs> and when I came back, you know what? It was uh, just the perfect timing uh, based on the need for another player as well as the economy for us to start getting out there and playing in bars now like i don't totally believe in this whole concept of economy it's mostly based Mm. on the confidence of the people involved in the in 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 that side of things but yeah it was it was great like we were playing i love how that story is like so not dramatic like all the things that are portrayed on like rock and roll stories and videos are like the band is literally like kicking the crap out of each other on stage and like just total debauchery and it's like ends and it's just like it's just so much drama and for you it was like yeah we're moving on and we're all very professional (laughs) (laughs) like that's actually the the normal story Yeah, that's true. (laughs) yeah for the most part you know what did end in in a not so good uh, no, it was my band Angels Breaking Silence, which went on for about a year and a half, which uh-huh. is, you know, in retrospect, predictable. There was no project yeah. with those specific people that went on any longer than that. There was a band before that was Lightly Toasted Touche, which was the same. What know, was the name from, uh, Lightly Toasted Touche. <laughs> There's some music on my YouTube channel. Yeah, it's the it's the weirdest <laughs> name ever, but... No, that's, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, you know, and to that drama point to like put my foot in my own mouth in high school, I played in just in, in a lot of different bands and there was so much drama. Oh, <laughs> it was like, yeah. just like thinking back to the high school in the college days, like you're just so, I mean, I'm an emotional guy to begin with, but <laughs> especially in high school, everybody's so touchy and emotional and going into college, you know, it's still the same. And pretty much like all my band stories, there's some sort of like extreme drama looking back. So I might take it back a little bit, but once you become like an adult, like (laughs) that stuff subsides a little bit, I think. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's a a part of it. And I've been going through a series of seminars where we learned that drama is always a creation of our own. And (laughs) 
trying that on but when you do accept it as being your reality you begin to see oh yeah i guess (laughs) there's no need for it no no absolutely and you know to bring it back to like if you are working with people that have a specific vision too like they're you're going to be focused right so i think you know something for me that is kind of um an anecdote to speak to that was how I got this, um, live gig on Friday in Atlanta. Hmm. Um, so, and it's not, it's really, the show is not a big deal itself, but I'm really excited for it, for the location and the artist that I'm opening up for. So this can speak to kind of the networking side, right? Of, I didn't even really look at how I went about this as networking, but it was. Um, so I, I think I genuinely believe networking is the outcome of what you want to achieve. So for me, I'm reverse engineering right now for my goals with what I want to do with music production projects and my original music over the next five years. So the people I reach out to and the people I interact with, if I'm talking about a collaborating thing, then it's under that umbrella of the goals that I have, right? So if, so if I'm just like walking around Nashville, hoping to bump into somebody and say like, look how awesome I am. Like that's just naive for lack of a better word, but it's probably not going to produce any work. Um, but if I'm intentionally going to gigs that I love and respect and learning from other artists that I love and respect, um, and then I have what I have to offer, who knows what can come of that. And I've definitely had some really neat experiences. So Back to the Atlanta gig, what I did was I researched some small venues that really support independent artists. And then I researched who was performing there, um, who has performed there over the last year. And then I listened to dozens of artists' music, and I found a few that I really liked. And I reached out to those artists and asked them if they'd like an opener or how they booked at that said venue. And that's how I'm opening for this wonderful artist I can't wait to meet on Friday named James of Mosaics. He's based out of Atlanta, and he's like a folksy, jazzy, avant-garde artist. <laughs> that's, a, that's a genre, right? A folksy, jazzy, avant-garde. <laughs> and I think my music will sit in quite nice to open up the night, but... You know, again, if I were just to network to try to find someone who's like cool and has some sort of in, that definitely wouldn't have happened. I literally have no idea how this dude is doing other than his music is freaking awesome and he plays out regularly and he seems weird. So that means he's probably human and I'll probably enjoy his company. So, <laughs> mm. so that is uh, maybe my most recent example of, I, I guess that that is really essentially networking, but I really wasn't looking at it like that. I was just looking at consistent gigs and play with good people, you know, that's always a good starting point is just to go after what you think is interesting. I recall that uh, <clears throat> I met a local musician years ago when I was just getting started as kind of a solo artist. So probably somewhere in the 2003 to 2005 mm-hmm. time frame, and just happened to be at one of the venues that I regularly played at. And the singer from there called me up because he worked at the cafe and said, Hey, you should come check out this guy on uh, Friday night or Saturday night or whatever it was. And, so one time I finally did see him and he was, he was coming through that venue regularly and I met him there then and there, but he doesn't remember. And mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, fast forward a few years, he owned a, another different cafe in Calgary 
and he was running a weekly open mic that everybody kind of swore by. Mm. And so I went to check that out and I hung out there. And of course he looked familiar to me. I don't, I think he still thinks that's where we first met <laughs> versus the many years before that. But <laughs> Right. Well, speaking of, I mean, for the networking thing, I definitely believe open mics are still really great. Yeah. Um, right. And it's a little different here in Nashville. Uh, there is a bit of, um, me, and I don't mean to say this in any sort of cynical way per se, but there's a bit of a machine here, right? So the way that it operates is a little different. Have you ever been to Nashville? I know you're in Clinton, though, but I haven't. I've, but I've heard a little bit about the open mics. That that first of all, they can be a little bit it's hard. A totally different piece. So all right. So when I was working with this studio, and young people would come in with kind of stars in their eyes, I guess, right? Yeah. One thing I would say is like it's great to be passionate about this, but uh, don't go to an open mic and expect like a record deal because <laughs> no, <laughs> you played yeah. your song, like go there and enjoy and, and work up your chops playing live and meet a few people, but try not to think of it any more than what it is. And I don't, I don't say this story of mine to boast is just weird the way it happened. So I'd lived in Santa Barbara, California for the past year. And I, played my first open mic in a really long time playing my original music. And after it, a booking agent came up to me and said, dude, can you play in two nights for a set at this venue? And I was so shocked because I spent two years telling people not to expect that. Right. And I was like, um, let me, let me like look at my schedule and text you. I gotta like wrap my head around this. So <laughs> So I think, you know, the way that uh, these like open mics or things like an open mic songwriting rounds, they can function so differently in different places in the country or the world. Oh, yeah. And you just have to have it, you know, again, gets back to that that focus and specific specificity of what you want to achieve. Like I really wanted to get my live chops going and play out as much as possible. And so my radar was up for that. And I was really I was prepared, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's another networking thing, I'm the, I would say, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think open mics, too, are just kind of a great way to mo keep a momentum going sometimes. You know, oh, if you're in yeah. a busy city with no gigs, um, guess what? You know, go play mm -hmm. a few open mics and you can kind of keep your your grassroots tour going, so to speak. Yeah, and even yeah. in a town with uh, a smaller town with, with a few gigs, it's kind right. of the same thing because there's only so many venues you can go around to. So an open mic has, right. can kind of fill that space too. No, for sure. And you know what? I'm, I really, I probably was a bit prideful going into these first few open mics. Like it's just an open mic and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I, you know, um, I feel bad about that because I, I met some of the greatest friends and some people that I ended up playing live with weekly at venues because I was just consistently going to, to open mics. And so there's like these great communities there and everything. So I'm just, I'm thankful for that. My perspective has totally changed on that for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, one thing I did want to talk about though, was the, um, I know we talked about before recording here was the actual production of the music on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Of <laughs> course, because you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is an important uh, topic and, uh, 
the music that you did, I know, you know, the intro theme was inspired by the original intro theme, which was almost like a garage band funk kind uh-huh. of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I remember so vividly working on this project. It was really, really fun. And I think, you know, as, as a sidebar, so this is the whole point of all that time and energy of like cold emailing you, I guess, and researching you. It's because the end goal is the ideal situation where I'm producing music for a meaningful content, right? So if that is not enjoyable to a person, don't do this job (laughs) because there's so much work on the front end that goes into it. But doing that music was so much fun. And I remember, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about kind of my perspective of work and art, right? Because in that setting, um, I'm sitting down and I need to treat it like work and, and a a lot a certain amount of time where no matter what I'm getting this amount of stuff done and in order to meet a deadline on the other side, I need to treat it like art. So I can't approach it like I'm going to be sitting in a proverbial cubicle. I actually, when I first sat down to work on the theme song, I was like reeling my head, like everything I'm putting down sounds so dumb and (laughs) I, I hate this. So I went for a walk and Fortunately, at the time, I was living in beautiful Santa Barbara, California, where it's just like perpetually beautiful. Yeah. I went on a walk and just to like at least come up with a little melody line. And that's when I was like, you know, just walking down the street and I was going, and I was like, okay, let me try that on like a little synthesizer and mess around with it. And also it was like, ooh, I could expound upon what he already had because his listeners will, will be familiar to that. But then it'll kind of explode into this new uh, sound, right? Which I liked, yeah. Thank you. And you know what? I I knew I was taking a risk too because I think the sound of it is like jovial and over the top. It is right? over the top. <laughs> Industry. And... Um, <laughs> And I was like, you know, for theme songs that I love, and and I think you know, there's people like me out there that they're they're pretty over the top. They they might be like tongue in cheek almost, you know. Um, like I grew up with like Ren and Stimpy. Their their theme song is like, <laughs> so that's what I like. But I knew it was a, a, a risk, and I think you said on the email, you're like, it's pretty over the top, but you know. I like it. And I was prepared to give you other ideas and everything if you really hated it and stuff, but I'm glad that that nailed it. And, uh, but then from there, the other stuff I just love working on, cause we were emailing with our shared love for like Prince and all that. And I was, Oh, this dude's got great taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just a white guy on guitar, but I at least can do like a little bit of the funk stuff. So the outro that you use, yes. um, man, when I hear that, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with that. You know, like it was so fun to make and actually it came from, I, do you remember the first one I sent that was, uh, literally twice the tempo? Um, yeah. And it was also pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, yeah, it went like, so the, (laughs) so the idea was, okay, if he wants to use this for like transitions into advertisements or for the outro, that would be cool, but maybe the outro could be uh, halftime. 
of that riff that's pretty frantic and fast. So then it just kind of created this really cool vibe of and a lot of room to do those kind of bluesy riffs and some little jazz incorporations, you know. So I just had a ball doing it, you know, it was so fun. Um, and I'm not being overstated. It's so true. I just was like, I had a week of producing really fun music. So, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad to hear that. And it, it definitely turned out great. The interim team kind of has that, uh, you know, news show vibe or let's say independent news show vibe. Cause they're, they're those theme songs are always a little bit over mm-hmm. the top, which is why I said, okay. you know, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't offended at all. I knew what I was getting myself into. <laughs> <laughs> like I grew up with, um, yeah, like local news stations and stuff that are like, so ridiculous with their theme songs <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, exactly they are and but they're so you'll i will never forget channel six abc news theme song though that's the thing it'll stick like, in your head yeah yeah dun, 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 dun. yep that's still it man it is still there ridiculous but it works you know yeah. <laughs> and you had originally come to me saying you know for a podcast that's in the music industry there's so little music in it <laughs> <laughs> i knew i was like i i feel like this is a good pitch but i also like i do not hope he's like like offended but i'm like i, don't, I didn't want it to be like condescending or anything because that could sound on email that could sound like where's the music bro <laughs> yeah <totally. laughs> I, I said that's a that's a fair point and <laughs> you know what it, it you just have blind spots you do and you know we were talking about music <laughs> entrepreneurship like this is this is mm-hmm. a tough sell from the very start in a way right if for, for those who are like oh yeah i want to i want to do this i have to hustle and grind which mm-hmm. i don't advise but like those kinds <laughs> of people are going to come going oh yeah i can do this more efficiently i can do this more yeah. systematically to to make right. it all work for me but that was a blind spot in the sense that I, oh yeah not only have i not included a lot of music i haven't actually talked about the music that i enjoy <laughs> so. well you know you, you do have your specific content on the show and all that so sometimes you know that's it's just not going to be be a part of it i i totally get that but i you know part of this too is that that came from you know a typical sales perspective blah <laughs> it's a find a need and fill a need right that's right um so you know, that, that was just kind of a, a simple, like, all right, there's a, there might be a need here and, and I might be able to fill it. Let's see what we can do, you know? Yeah. Um, but you're doing this project, though, uh, to kind of expound on it, really put the wheels in motion for me, too, of getting um, some more uh, production jobs. And uh, I'm, I'm working on a, a show right now called Vitality Radio that's like a wellness show. Um, so that music is a ton of fun. But actually back in November and December. So not too long after I finished your project, um, I worked on, um, what has been one of the most profound experiences for me, a show that's essentially about Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I got the gig through a friend of mine that she's a producer in LA of, uh, mainly producer with podcast shows and everything. And, it was it was really heavy, um, but it was definitely such a profound learning experience, both on a life side and on a work side. And that's why this 
business, I guess, can can be so rewarding. Um, so for a month and a half, I was reading like Holocaust survivor stories. I was reading all the research that they did for the show and really had my head in the emotion and the philosophies that came out of this in unimaginable time in human history, right? Mm-hmm. And they wanted music that was um, kind of like explosions in the sky stuff. So that really kind of droning, but beautiful and heavy music. Then, And I thought that was very smart of them, that that kind of sound could be uh, perfectly matched up with the content of the show. So heavy. So, um, yeah, I got to complete that project right before the new year. And uh, I'm excited for it to come out because uh, I produced – I produced like five songs for it. And I think they're going to use at least like three or four. Um, so yeah, they, they kind of range from having explosions in the t- sky type sound to being just very light instrumentation in the background to fill in space. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that, that was just a, another story of kind of building on, on these, uh, on these projects, right? You, you learn what you learn. Like I learned a lot from working for this to apply to the next one, you know? So, so yeah, that's a, that's another experience there. Well, yeah. And I imagine like in this kind of business, really getting your first couple of clients is a big deal because that gives you a bit of a confidence boost and potentially a momentum boost. You know, there might be referrals that come through that. So Mm -hmm. that's such, yeah, that's really important to just get those first couple of clients. Then, you know, it's something that it's, that's workable. Right. Yeah. You're going to learn so much. (laughs) Yeah. In any capacity, taking risks is like, right. That's just part of it is, uh, you're going to be humbled, but you, you could experience things that are really, really rewarding, of course. So, and I know when, when we talked, uh, I was really inspired to hear about a little bit of your, your story of like, I, I remember you, you said that, for a long time you found it difficult to meet people correct and and yeah. you you made it a goal to just go out and talk to people regularly was that is that kind of how that story went yeah i was wanting yeah, was- to work my way out of my shell and i got into network marketing in 2011 and i kind of used that as a catalyst to start getting into conversations every day and it was That's- Brilliant. And now you're like a really great interviewer. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. That's think, so crazy. <laughs> I think I am too. Uh, <laughs> no, that is the human spirit, right? That is like perseverance and like seeing, you know, some, a, a bit of a flaw, right? Or, or not a flaw, but just a weakness and saying like, I gotta, I gotta work at this. And it was probably so hard for you, man. Like that's, and th- that crosses over into everything, right? Life and music and the business. Is, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't necessarily think about it now, but if I'm sure if I looked back, I could see that it was a challenge. And part of the challenge, too, was just going into environments where were unfamiliar to me. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe I was comfortable stepping into a subway, but not comfortable <laughs> stepping into right. an Applebee's, whatever it was. Like, right, I, just, right. I just went in anyway. And So yeah, it's, it's like, pretty... Yeah, I don't know if you can cuss on your show, so I'm not going to cuss. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, but I, you know, I, I do, I really love meeting people, and I'm pretty extremely extroverted. So, but with that said, it's still nerve wracking, especially when you're putting your your art out there to bring it back to the music side. Yeah. Um, in my experience, 
um, over the last year of trying to play out as much as possible of playing my original music out was that I had a wake up call on how incredibly difficult it was going to be to get booked. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, this better than I, but I would say in my experience, it has been like a 30 to one ratio of emails. And then, and because like, I don't have like a professional electronic booking tape. Like I have like, fairly reasonable iPhone videos of me playing. And then I have to go by word of mouth. So what I did was there was this spot in Santa Barbara that I really wanted to play really cool, low key brewery that, um, compensated, but also was very intentional on getting up and coming independent artists playing there. And I was like, this is, this is the place I got, I got to get into. So I worked hard playing on these like little venues in the area and getting some footage and emailed the booking agent there. Of course they didn't get back to me, followed up. They didn't get back to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go there and just yell wildly. Show me the gatekeeper. (laughs) No, I, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it, but I did just go to uh, the brewery and say like, you know, who's in charge of, of booking here. Can, can I speak with them? I wanted to follow up and the person was just really busy. Right. And I was really nervous cause I didn't want to be like overbearing, you know? Um, and then be like, uh, this is kind of awkward. We don't want you here. We don't like your music. Um, <laughs> but, but they were so sweet. And, you know, I was booked out like a month after that. And I played that spot twice. And each time was the most fun, best gigs that I've played to this point hmm. and got to play with some great artists that really wanted to play there too. Um, and the, and the reason it was specific too is because although it's, you know, it's just a brewery, they're very focused on the arts. They have a, an art gallery that's literally right next to the tap room area, the bar. And the, the music is very specific on where it's set up. So the bar can either kind of just like have it in the background or be right there in the foreground um, so anyways, that was, uh, definitely my, my story of being like, I really gotta, I guess I have to like seriously put myself out there in new ways that are actually quite difficult. <laughs> yeah. We've got, uh, yeah, we've got breweries like that too, that are pretty arts focused and, and open-minded as far as what sort of entertainment they bring in. And, um, mm-hmm. the Indie YYC is one of my new projects that I started or co-founded basically. And we had an opportunity to take one of our events because we sponsor two events right now. One is the new beat and one is the storytellers. The new beat is basically sort of beat poetry inspired, but a yeah. fresh take on it, a non-depressing take on it. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, we were able to bring that to, to a brewery and Dude, breweries was- where it's at, man, because I think I overlooked for so long that craft breweries, they are artists like they are so passionate about their product and a lot of them are passionate about music and the arts and they want very intentional artists to play there to match the vibe they're trying to create. So I'm, I'm actually, and I love beer, so it just totally works out. <laughs> um, that's cool though. I mean, how many projects do you do? Like, I feel like you have, I, when I listen to your shows, like, wait, he was just talking about like five other projects he's done. That's crazy. Yeah. You're you're pretty you're pretty busy, yeah. 
<laughs> that's one one way of framing it for sure well you know the the music entrepreneur hq has got the blog and the podcast and uh-huh. i am the one creating most of that content but although i do right. have a transcriptionist there's the ndyyc i am a staff writer at music industry how to and i'm working hard on on helping build that into a into a right. bigger thing right now Whoa. and i also have your music matters which it looks oh, like I actually heard about that. I, I listened to, um, I, I think it was a podcast episode where you explained about it. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah th- that's been an ongoing project because of a series of seminars that, that I've been taking in a way, <laughs> you know, it supports what I'm already doing with, uh, your music entrepreneur HQ. And at the same time, it's a complimentary <laughs> project because it's a way to give back something to, right. to artists. So Dude, I would that say- is like my, that's so cool. I love that because I something I've tried to like really have a part of my philosophy, I guess, if you will, as I've over the last year worked really hard at this stuff is that art's purpose is its ability to connect. Right. And uh, this is something that have you listened to the creative pep talk podcast? I did a little bit. Yeah. With Andy J. Pizza. Right. Um, so this is like his ongoing theme is that art's purpose is its ability to connect. Remember that. And, you know, he has this incredible podcast with a huge listener base and he's in the visual arts and he's just, you know, pretty, pretty wildly successful. So for, for him to share such a humble and like kind of beautiful philosophy, has been really, really, really inspiring to me to keep a like, integral rudder if you will to all this because like when it comes to it like we can get so egotistical and in our heads that we forget you know in in life and in art it's it's about connecting with people and and doing meaningful projects like like you are um so yeah yeah that's that is uh that's definitely making me all jazzed (laughs) (laughs) very cool obviously yeah 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 maybe we'll have to talk about your involvement (laughs) who knows i mean so and I'll, I'll, you know, to maybe go off on a little tangent with it, I can, I, I, applying that philosophy to business though is really hard. Is like, mm-hmm. because for me, and I'll just speak from my experience, um, because I'm the authority of my own experience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, so if, if art and music is something for somebody to just vent, like they come home from work and they jam out a little bit and that's it, like, that can seriously affect their livelihood in such a beautiful way. But if they're trying to share it with people or God forbid, make a living with it, (laughs) (laughs) then they have to both hold intention, this artistic uh, integrity mindset while also saying, if its purpose is to connect, I need to think about what people want and what people want to hear um, and that's the reason I don't play certain spots, um, because they're going to be pissed if I don't do a cover of Wagon Wheel and I play my quirky stuff for an hour, oh right? My God. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's because of my respect for the people there. Like I could probably get a little bit more gigs, but I know that I won't deliver that well, and that would crash and burn. As opposed to this brewery that I was talking about, where they were like, "That was really cool." <laughs> what you provided us was really cool. Um, and so I, I've, I've been trying to 
think about that a lot. And now I, I paint and draw a lot, actually. Very cool. um, so, but the beautiful thing with that is I give zero Fs. Can I say that? <laughs> I give zero Fs yeah. if people are affected by my paintings and drawings. It is really, I'm just throwing paint. I have no technical skill with it. I think they all look cool and that's it. And but with my music, I can't stand behind the concept of subjectivity and say, well, if you know this little venue or if you didn't like my music, he just subjectively sees it differently. It, there is a bit of a objectivity that I need to provide something that is fitting, right? So, um, yeah, that's just a complex <laughs> tangent on the on an artistic perspective, right? <laughs> totally get that and i think it, it is great to have something in your life that where you're creatively free if it's not your music hopefully it's something else you do just like you do with your with your art for me like i get to write and that's a little more where the the, the cash is made but the mm -hmm. the music side is where i i've chosen and i always get to be free and i tend to write from a relatively you know pop mindset to begin with because right. I, I really love a melody, but I also like intricacies mm -hmm. in uh, in yep. forming that too. So it's not just like put a put a beat on and uh, right. sing to yeah. it. But even some of the track, like I'm, I have nothing against covers at all. I mm -hmm. some of the tracks that I've been working on in my spare time lately are covers of some oh, of my yeah. favorite songs. Oh man! Oh man! I mean, I the gigs I've played recently, they're a fifty-fifty for the most part, original and covers. Um, so I'll, I'll do a Hendrix song all day. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm all about it, but that's very intentional, you know? Um, and uh, I was going to say too, on the original music side. So this year I plan on releasing, uh, original music and mm -hmm. it is certain. I totally agree with you that, um, I, I really try to approach it with a lot of freedom and, you know, I get my inspiration from independent artists that when I hear them, I'm like, that sounds absolutely vulnerably who they are. Like, have you heard of uh, Courtney Barnett or Mac DeMarco or guys, even guys like Father John Misty? When I hear these independent artists of today, I'm like, I, I don't hear any fluff, but I also hear music that they want to, that they're thinking about their audience. They're thinking about people that enjoy, like you said, a, a simple melody. And, but at the same time, they're achieving, you know, creating art that sounds really quite almost, uh, you know, revolutionary. I don't know, <laughs> not revolutionary, but, but pretty, pretty amazing. You know, exactly. <laughs> I think it just speaks to the fact that like, you can sort of do it without compromise because everybody is worried about yeah telling out right and the reality is you can still be very you can still be very expressive in how yeah. you want to be expressive while right. still being commercial it's possible yes so. uh yes have you ever been around people that really don't care about selling out though it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because you're free right you're free to create more in the ways that you want to create <laughs> like you know, and actually I'm, I'm using his example for somebody that holds this balance really well I've been working with this uh but yeah, pop artist for the last year, a good friend of mine, Jamal Anthony, and we grew up actually in the same hometown and he ended up in LA. And I think he achieves this balance so well. He is totally functioning in the pop world. He writes songs for guys like, and this isn't to 
to name drop does just what he's doing. Uh, like Grayson Chance and everything. He just wrote one of his singles. But it's totally who he is. He is having a ball. And it has been so fun to like play gigs with him or for him and just be around this guy that's like totally doing pop stuff and is like, this is genuinely who he is. Like there's no element of selling out. Like he is just being Jamal Anthony. Um, which is which is cool to be around. And I, I like a lot of the music too, man. Like it's kind of R and B and and pop and all that. I can get into it. So yeah. There's always a balance with it, but it's it's achievable. Absolutely, yeah. For some people, it's just how they write and and who they are. Well, this has been a really great conversation. I guess to kind of offer a final thought, it's not just what you know, but who you know. That that counts. It doesn't mean you have to know everybody on this planet to succeed at a level that you want to succeed. It, and I don't either. I just happen to know enough people that they book shows for the band that I play in or they they give me references for solo shows that I could potentially play to where I never have to book my own gigs. And in fact, when I try to book my own gigs, usually it goes very badly. So <laughs> Yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I used to do the booking, but yeah, it's been years. You know, I got enough gigs uh, from other people's you. recommendations that I don't that, know. Yeah. Good for you, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, man, too. And uh, yeah, it's going to be cool to, to cue in Brian Young outro. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll talk again soon. All right, David, Andrew, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. 